Hi there, and welcome to Healing at Last, the podcast. Healing at Last is the roadmap to uncovering what happened inside you as a result of the pain of your past. How do you find it, how do you heal it, and how do you move beyond it? So let's get started. Hello there, and welcome. This is uh, series three, episode three. So this is Healing at Last, the podcast where we, uh, as you know by now, talk about the things that matter, talk about the things that matter to our healing journeys, talk about what it takes to heal, how we can transform and how we can move forward in our lives. So this is episode three and episode three is with the wonderful, lovely uh, Sean Connor. Sean and I have known each other for a long time, feels like a lifetime. And um, I have uh, encouraged, begged, pleaded, invited Sean onto this podcast um, because I know the value that it'll bring. So today we are going to talk about, we're going to talk about the, the wounded parts of ourselves that get trapped in often what is our teenage years how we're not aware of those wounded parts of ourselves and how they navigate and how they direct and dictate and puppeteer who we become in this world and how we interact with others. And how it's very, very hard to change that, undo that, unless you bring self-awareness to it. And once you bring self-awareness to that, then the transformation begins. And that's certainly Sean's story. So Sean's story is, a, for me, an inspirational story and continues to be an inspirational story. I think, and what you'll see in this podcast is his level of honesty and vulnerability and willingness to learn and grow and develop as a human being and as a coach, and Sean will explain that in a wee minute, is tremendous. And certainly, I know that we are all in this world of um, influence and influencers who peddle toxic masculinity and what you'll see here is the antidote to that I think and feel so this podcast is a very important podcast I'm raising three boys it's a really important podcast for all sorts of things but um, I hope what you get out of it is the the power of self-awareness the power of transformation and um, how we can heal the past and move forward in a really lovely way. Um, and Sean shares that journey with us. So Sean has many accolades and I will definitely get them wrong. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand over and I'm going to get Sean to introduce himself from a professional point of view first, and then we're going to jump in. I'm going to begin the questions about how he started his career. But I want Sean, if you can tell him, because I'm going to mess that up, if you tell him um, your name and your professional stance at the moment. Thanks, Sean. And uh, yes, you're right. You, you've badgered me to come on this. And I think initially I didn't really think I had a story to tell or, or believe that I could be of any help. And I can remember telling you that. And it's only since we've been working together over the last couple of months that maybe I do now see that I have a story to tell. So, yes, I'm a, I'm a UEFA Pro Licensed Coach since 2007. I was the first coach manager to get that award in, in the League of Ireland. 
Uh, since then, I've subsequently went on to manager a number of teams in the League of Ireland, the Irish League, and two teams in Africa, namely in oh. Zimbabwe and South Africa. Wow. So I've got a, a very wide uh, coaching experience. And then when I, on my return to South Af- from South Africa, about 2014, that's when we started working together because I started working at Maiden City. I started coaching there. Uh, after that, I went back to university. Uh, I completed a a BSc in sports coaching and then a master's in sports psychology. And I suppose, Shauna, it was only really from doing that work that I began to realize maybe I needed to not change myself as a, not as a, as a technical coach, and I've explained this to you, but change myself as, as a person, as a personable coach. I love the quote. I'm going to put that on my CV. I'm the antidote to toxic masculinity. I love that. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, not, we'll, we'll not go down that rabbit hole because no. if we go down that rabbit hole, we will be there forever. But what I would want to swiftly move on to, because <clears> I think when we move on to your story, and we and we start to dissect this story. I think that the level of vulnerability and self awareness on it is the antidote to toxic masculinity. It absolutely is. Oh, listen! I when you use the phrase, I understand. I understood the phrase perfectly. Four years ago, three years ago, even two years ago, I could never hear myself saying that about myself because right. I believe I was the complete opposite. Yeah, imagine. So we start there. We start at the beginning of your career. <clears throat> we'll start at you played uh, across the water so you were you were Belfast born isn't that right yeah Belfast went to uh, St Mary's grammar school studying for my A-levels I can't quite remember how it came about but I had an opportunity to go actually I had two opportunities one to go to the University of San Francisco on a full scholarship Gee. I'll go on trial for a period of time with Port Vale yeah I ended up staying at Port Vale for approximately about six months and uh, went out on loan after that to a couple of clubs. So I was over in England really for about on on that escapade a year to just over a year. Failed, failed because and at the time I didn't you know yeah at the time I felt it failed, but I remember going into the environment that I failed because I had a real lack of confidence and I understood that it's the real that we young Belfast boy. And I was taken out of an environment where I was playing football at Distillery. I was playing Gaelic football for St. John's and I was a young player and everybody was looking after me and looking out for me. Yeah. And suddenly, and even in my own family, you know, I'd never, I don't think at that stage, I'd never met a person who had tried to be nice to me, but doing something that wasn't particularly good for me. And suddenly you're thrown into this professional environment and you're looking around you and, it's only upon reflecting that you realize that there's players there who I probably was as good as, but I got really nervous, got really insular, and they taught a much better game than me. I became friendly with uh, one of the players, Robbie Earl, and I remember just chatting to him one day because you wouldn't open up about stuff like this. You wouldn't. And uh, this was back in the days when we had uh, you had baths and stuff after the match, so it really was a masculine environment, you know. Uh. It was there was the big baths, there was individual baths, you know, and the and the banter and the the humor within that area was was tough, mm. you know. But I remember I remember a couple of times players saying things about because I was particularly I was really quick, and I remember one player saying to me, "Oh, it's a pity you didn't have a touch to go with that speed," you know. So 
And when I spoke to Robbie, you know, he was explaining to me, look, because I said to him, do I have a bad touch? No. And then he said, no, they're saying stuff like that because there's a potential. You get, if you if you get your long-term contract here, you're going to take somebody's job, somebody's place. So that, probably at the time I didn't realise it, but that's the environment. that was, And I, I just didn't, I couldn't cope. Yeah. So and I remember. Let me stop you two wee seconds there because I want to reiterate what you're saying. So you come from this kind of lovely environment Lovely as lovely can be for Belfast, and <laughs> but but it's a gentle environment and an environment where you're encouraged and people have your back and people have your best interest to play and 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 you're and you're a fast you're 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 quick as you say you're fast and yeah. and that's encouraged and and then you go to this place where there's all sorts of skullduggery there's all sorts of stuff that's not said the weekendy stuff that's but it's not authentic and genuine and and you're confused. And you're watching these other people who are much more confident, who have much more sense of themselves and you're listening to the jibes, to the things that they're saying and you're believing and then you're reaching out to try and make sense of it all. But you're confused. I mean, it must have been a really difficult place to be in. Well, you get to the stage where you, you don't really enjoy going to training. And that's why you were there. And you certainly, you don't enjoy matches. You know, I remember playing, like I was lucky enough to play away at St. James's Park and places like that. And going up there on the bus, I hated it. Going in. I think the only wee bit of respite I actually got was when you were on the pitch playing. Because once the team was picked and you were playing a game, it wasn't as bad. It was more around the training ground, around the, the day-to-day contact. And let's face it, you know, you're training every day. You only play a match one, one, once once a week. And if you're in the reserve team, it's it's a midweek match and then that's it until the next midweek. So it was that, that was difficult. And yeah, you know, it's funny because as we all know, Belfast and growing up in Belfast in the, in the 80s as a teenager was, was right in the middle of the troubles. But your home environment, your home life, the people around you—it just was caring. It was like yeah. everybody wanted the best for me, yeah. or at least that's what I perceive. And then suddenly you go to this environment where not everybody wants the best for you. I had a really good relationship with the manager, and I remember at the time when I was going to leave, he, he he wanted me to stay, and he wanted me just to stay another couple of months, and I said no. And I met him years later because I ended up scouting for him. And he always that we were having a conversation one day and he said to me, why, why, why did you not sort of stay for those couple of months? And I went, Well, I says, Why did you only why did you only offer me another six months? Why why didn't you give me two years? And then he explained to me, and I was a manager at this time, so that I, I got it. He said, Sean, you know, there was people in that change room who wanted me out as manager. We were having a bad time. And I was told by the board that I couldn't hand out any new contracts, only only short contract extensions. And he says, I was just asking you. He says, if I had told you that, you said that to the wrong person. Yeah, so that it, years <laughs> later, Sean, it made me realize that, you know, that's the environment you're in. Yeah. People are looking for weaknesses. Yeah. People are looking for a wee chink in your armor that they can exploit. Wow. You know? And so you're exposed to that. <clears throat> and, and the word we're going to use is damage. It's, a, you know, but <clears throat> what did that do to you? We, we talk in the clearing method about defining moments we talk in the clearing method about about these core woundedness and core wounds that infiltrate our being that that we become because of these experiences what did that do to you do you think what what did that well, leave for a start 
probably a year after leaving there. I remember just sitting one day and thinking, right, that's it. I'm never going to fail again for a lack of confidence in my own ability. I'm never going to let anyone see I have any self-doubt, any. And that was like a light bulb, bang. That's, that's the me. answer. That's, that's the answer to this problem here. That's me. And then as I come into my managerial career and other things, people find me arrogant. Yes. Not open. And I wasn't like that. I was like that in my work environment because I believed I had to be like that. But the more you be like that, Shauna, it's easier to stay like that than try and change. Brilliant. Stop there. There's so much goodness in that piece there. Look, we stop there. We second. That's just gold dust. So you're obviously released. You're suffering. You're in pain. And you make a decision. I will never fail again for lack of confidence because you, the feelings that you had from the failure was obviously downbeat, was obviously difficult. And you're, you had seen that as a failure and you said to yourself, never will I fail due to a lack of confidence because that's what you saw you were, that happened and that's what you saw you were feeling. Is that right? 100% and a very conscious decision, very lucid. Very clear. I like to think I'm sort of well articulated, well thought out. Yep, that's it. That's what I have to do. And so just before we move on, the feelings that you were feeling, because this is where we undo toxic masculinity. This is where we, we you know, this is where we open up <clears throat> the idea that we are all human beings and we've all got difficult feelings within us. What was the feelings that you were feeling prior to that decision? Do you remember? Yeah, I felt you feel... You just feel you failed one of your biggest ambitions. You haven't achieved it. You feel lost. You feel inadequate. Brilliant. And then you, you have to, you, you snap, I snapped out of it and says, no, I have to take, I have to take control of this. And it's like, well, manning up. No, I have to man up to this. I have to, right, that's it, bang. So that's the decision. So it's an inadequacy. It's a failure. It's a less than lethargic oil feeling. And then it's no. I And we'll talk about where that level of control comes from. I know you might, right? Yeah. But it's no, I'm going to, I'm going to direct this because <clears throat> I like 100%. that. One. I'm in full control here of, of everything. And I will never let anyone else see a chink of doubt. And if I make a decision, even if it's, I, at times I've probably made decisions and I knew they were wrong. I would never admit, no, I was right. I was right. And you had to, because this was the armor that went around the woundedness from those moments, from those from that failure. That was the looking, looking back now as we've worked together, I felt I had to. Yes. 100%. I felt I had to. And maybe, Shauna, maybe at that time, maybe in the maybe the environment softened slightly, but certainly back then I really felt no, this is the only way that I'm. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily about succeeding. I think it was more about protecting myself. I love that. I love the honesty of that. In, in our work, we call it trauma choices. <clears throat> choices we make from the traumas that we've had. Now, I know that some people would say that that wasn't trauma, but anything that affects you, anything that changes your understanding of yourself, anything that thwarts your belief in yourself or the world around you is trauma. So you've had this experience where it changed how you viewed yourself. You viewed yourself as inadequate and a failure. That's trauma. So from that trauma, you make a choice 
because there's no other way. I will never be in that place again. I will shoot, never let anybody see doubt. Shoot me to my core at what, 19 years of age. Wow. And then you you drift for a couple of years until you get into coaching. So yeah, in the minute I get, you know, right, that's it. Never again. Oh, fake it till you make it. Brilliant. So I'm going to I'm going to present myself as this <clears throat> confident, strong, no doubt human being. Now, some of the work that we did, and I know you'll not mind me introducing this. Some of the oh, work yes. we did was a was about leadership, and some of the how you lead. <clears throat> And what was incredible about our work was that we discovered your leadership as in the self-leadership, not how you lead others, how you lead yourself, that you would be what we would call a director, a natural controlling director, um, give instruction short and sharp. You know, you've been a natural analytical person, see the detail. So if we we see that, and this is just for our audience, (laughs) You've made a decision, and from your personality style, from your leadership style, you directed yourself. Yes. The ensuring that that was locked down and everybody only ever saw the confidence Sean Connor. 100%. And it was only through when we started working and we started, and I started reflecting. Uh, I think I talked, I, I believe to this day that technically, as, as a soccer coach, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yes. I'm very good. Leading other people, giving other people advice, I think I'm good. Yeah. What I was really poor at was leading myself wow. and actually admitting to myself that, do you know what? You're closed. You're not letting people in, especially the people above me. My problem was always managing up because they were the threat. They were the people that had the power to take away my job. Wow. So therefore, I had to keep them at a distance. I had to be arrogant. I had to be forceful. I had to be... Um, I had to be unbreakable so that they had never any doubt in me and relationships that, i had were worked. different yeah it worked it certainly worked in my early part of my career yeah. uh now you managed some amazing clubs didn't you managed some big clubs bohemians slagger rovers dundalk but over time when you when you I remember talking to a friend one day and he was saying sean you know i've worked with you you're really good but you know people find you difficult to work with and, and she said to me, like, I'd gone for an interview and she had helped me get it. I'll not tell you what club it was. And basically, she had said to me, listen, you turn up there, be yourself, you'll be fine. You've got the job. So I got home that night and she phoned me up and a few expletives. What have you done? What did you say? And I said, what do you mean? And she says, he doesn't want to give you the job because he said you were so arrogant. And he says, if he's that arrogant in the interview, what's he going to be like when, you're, when he's yeah. got the job? Yeah. So that's when you, you start to realize, well, hold on a second, whoa. And, and, and as, in the work that we've done, as you know, I find if I think you have no information that can help me or I don't think you're authoritative or I don't think you're directive, I dismiss you very quickly. And we would have had the type of relationship that I would have been able to be very straight and direct with you, which you found... You, you saw um, you saw some you saw something in that that suited you. So you That's like, like looking, that it's almost like looking in a mirror because yeah. I see myself coming back. So I, if if you're firm and direct, if you're firm and direct with me and blunt, yeah, I can take it. Yeah. I can take it because what that's could... what you've learned. Yeah. I, I want to go back to something before we go on to this. 
because there's so many directions we could go here. But I want to go back to something you said there. And you said, in that moment, when you arrive for that job and you screw it up, your arrogance screws it up. There is a moment there where the choice that you made at such an early age, so at this stage, I mean, you're carrying that choice for 20, 20, 30 years, right? Yeah, yeah. So your 30 years, and most people that listen to this will be acting out of a piece of trauma, a piece of woundedness for 30, 40, 50 years. This isn't uncommon, right? Okay. So you you had a time where you've been rejected from a job because of your arrogance, but that arrogance was a decision from a piece of trauma. And all of a sudden, you have to look at it. You have to question it. You have to start to kind of say, is this working for me? That's the moment where this armor starts to kind of and Shauna when 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 I got that message my reaction was hold on a second that arrogance has got me where I am that arrogance helped me win the first division that arrogance helped me get two clubs into Europe at that stage I did not see that still as the problem no he's a problem yes he can't everybody, be else me. Problem. everybody else was the problem and it's probably that that, that was that was about two three years ago and it's only really in the last 18 months that I've thought, no, hold on a second. Maybe they're maybe they're not the problem. <laughs> maybe the they're problem. Not, maybe they're not the problem. Maybe uh, maybe I need to uh, adjust. Maybe mm-hmm. and and listen, it was through a chance conversation that we had because, as I always said, you were you were very good at picking away at me and and making me go away and think and saying the right things and saying it in such a way that it wasn't offensive, which I think is very difficult to do. But you're very good at that. And since we've worked together, you've I think I feel I've opened up. And as you said at the start, you asked me to do this a long time ago, and I was like, no, I I don't really have a story to tell. But uh, I think I think let's pause there because there's so many so many I mean nuggets in what you're saying. There was something about our relationship that let me hold a mirror up to you and let you see yourself. There was and, and like when I say relationship, it wasn't like we were in each other's pockets. We would have a chance meeting here, conversation there, but we weren't, you know, we weren't in constant communication. But any communication, I would have been letting you see yourself, challenging you, you know, having having very direct conversations with you. Um, but there's something in that mirroring of you that you begin to see yourself and you begin to so- softens the wrong word. It, it's a very it's 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 a very particular stage of process when you stop blaming other people, when you stop pointing out the words and you start to point on the ways, yeah. and you start to say what well, part of this is mine, what do I need to change, what do I need to look at. Now that in of itself, Sean, there have been plenty of people watch, listening to this, watching this. That is a monumental thing to do, because the minute you start to look at yourself then it's nobody else's responsibility but yours. And that's yeah. a big, big step. Well, as you know, the big step for me was, as you know, I have a column with the Derry Journal and, and the newsletter. And I think six weeks ago, I wrote about this change and why I was looking at this change. And in researching for that, actually, I came across a lovely quote from, from uh, Buddha. Mm. And I thought, no, this is perfect. And it says, know what, what holds you, know what holds you back and know what leads you forward and choose the path of wisdom. And I thought, that's the work I've been doing. I now realize what's been holding me back. I now know what can lead me forward 
and that's, that's wisdom <laughs> and so it's okay i think if anybody's listened to this i'd be saying it's really really cathartic to accept your mistakes to know that and just because you've been doing something for so long and it's, it's become almost routine if it's holding you back you have to abandon it you have to look at the things the that bravery of that show the bravery of you to turn around after 30 years of loving this way being armored up to the teeth with you know a toxic kind of false sense of self yep and but all the meantime, you know, trying to protect yourself from being hurt again, like that wee 19 year old wee boy. Yeah. The bravery, the sheer bravery. You say, hold on, this isn't working. I'm not going to blame anybody else. Let me have a look at myself. And just so happens that we had a relationship that I supported that looking at yourself. Yeah. Let me have a look at myself. Let me have a look with and and let me own my choices let me own let me own my mistakes let me own the intricacies of the that's so brave it's not only brave to do it's so brave to talk about in this environment because there'd be not many that that would that would be that brave now we've our podcast is filled with people who are brave like you that's why you're on the show you're on the show because you're brave you'll look on towards yourself and you'll give that out that's amazingly brave to say that and to say and I'm willing to admit my mistakes and I'm willing to change yeah well I think I've realized that I'm at the stage where I think I've probably got one or two big jobs left in me mm -hmm. and through our talks and through just self-reflection I realized you know unless I change I'm not going to get the opportunity to do these big jobs and the show and I think I've changed as, as a coach and as a leader since I went back to university because up until then all my all my education in terms of coaching was done through the IFA, other coaching courses, going to visit clubs, meet other managers, all within that environment. The minute I stepped out of that environment and looked at coaching academically, yeah. looked at coach coaching as a pedagogy, yeah. uh, looked at leadership, looked at the psychology around that, I realized, yeah, no, I'm not as good as I think I am. Uh, and I need to change. And, there, and then, there lies, we second, Sean, just what you've said, proves that that armor is broken you would have never been able to admit that you weren't as good as you thought you were back at 19 because that armor was too it was too much of a risk it was too much of a difficulty just what you've done there now to say I'm not as good as I think I am and I want to develop and lead shows you or I want to lead myself differently shows me that that armor has broken because you would never be able to say that live in a podcast like this if that inner journey had never happened never. this is the power of healing this is the power of healing the, the trauma pieces that we hold the, the important thing as well is i realize now you know even if i don't get the job that i'm after i'm going to be a far better person Brilliant. to be around so that's maybe in and in, in, at the at the least, that's the success that I can that I can take on, and, I, and I'm I'm happy with it. And I, I I just hope I do get the opportunity because I think I'm so much be yeah. so much better than what I was, you know. And I was fairly successful. Tell me, 
Tell me about the transformation. Because what we've done, <clears throat> just for everybody listening, what we've done there is we've walked through the problem, where the problem came from. We walked through the trauma choices. We walked through the shutting down. We walked through the, I'm this way and that's the end. Then we've walked through the, okay, awareness and coming back to it and then the healing of it. And then this new, new way of loving, this new way of interacting with people, this new way of leading. So where are we now? Well, I've, I'm at the stage now where... I think I remember a couple of people I said to you, I have a very clear vision of, of how I want to manage a football club, how I want the football club to look. And before this, that vision would have been mine, tunnel vision, that's it. This is how we're doing it, no deviating. Whereas now, I think a couple of weeks ago I said to you, I still have that vision, but what I, what I want to do is I want to make others part of the vision, I want to make it their vision, and I want to share the vision. And I think it was a lovely thing from Nelson Mandela, and I put this in the article, that it was better to lead from behind and put others in front, especially in moments of success and victory. And as a real leader, you only step out when there's danger. So in the past, I would have been quite good in the media, always in the media, and knew what to say to get in the papers. Whereas now I think it's not just about, it's not about me. Yes, as a manager, as a coach, you have to have a vision, have some standards, but everybody has to be a part of it. Everybody has to get their piece of the jigsaw and it's only when you do that uh, and in fact my, my coaching philosophy document is now is now changed totally and it's now titled harmony towards victory wow. so i believe that you only you will only be truly harmonious as a team as an organization as a group when everybody feels part of it yeah. when everybody has a has a decision to make and when everybody has the, has that autonomy as well within that within that vision and that's that's the big transformation for me. And that's a world away. That's a world away from how you would have led in the past. Oh, Lombardi time. <laughs> oh, Lombardi, Lombardi time's the personal. That's coach. another podcast. <laughs> that's another podcast on its own. Uh, so that's where you are person, per, professionally. Where are you personally? Personally, I'm... I'm st- look, my feeling of self-worth is still probably like a lot of people's is associated yeah. with their work yeah. so if you're not working you don't have, maybe your self-esteem can be low and, and there'll be days when my self-esteem is really low there'll be days like that this is a really good exercise for me but like, I, I'm in, I'm in, I feel after this I'll go and reflect have a cup of coffee and I'll feel good so there's some days I don't feel great but I've got my newspaper columns uh, I've got a couple of projects that I'm trying to work on. I'm working with a couple of individual players and people like that. So that keeps me busy. But, but you know, I have all this, I have all this new stuff to give out, and I would just want to be able to give it out to people, you know. And, and I think, Shauna, I've always been personal interactions. How you yeah, hold yourself? I miss. I miss. Do you know what? I, I I'm a very. I like people. Mm. I like the interaction of people, and when I, and part of this process, where I reflected. And I, you know, with, with with my players, with a group of players, I was totally different. And the person who phoned me up about losing that job, you know, she would be always phoned me up and say, "Oh, it's my players and my players." Mm-hmm. What I what I realise now is that the relationship I had with players was excellent. The relationship I had with my superiors, the people who could harm me more, mm-hmm. was because with it with the players, I was in full control. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in any danger there. Mm-hmm. The danger came from above. Whereas now. I want to work and embrace everybody. And, I, and 
I believe if I go to my superiors, if I go to the people who, who I work for and say, look, I need help with this, I need help with that, that won't be seen as a weakness. Beautiful way to end that, because what you're saying is you come up all circle there and you're saying not only are you able to own when you don't feel right about yourself and not armor up, but you're also able to own when you may go to those who are your superiors. But even that language, because you would never see them as superior in the past. Well, so, you know, you know the conversations we've had. So that's word wouldn't which word wouldn't <laughs> that was never happening. There was nobody more superior than you, and that was just the end of it. But even <laughs> that for a conversation shows the depth of change in you. Yeah. Even that you and and then you take that one step further, you're going to them to ask for help. I mean, that's armor is no more when you look at it in those in those ways it's, it's gone it's gone and the good thing about it is i feel good about it and i don't feel vulnerable wow. so the fact that i don't feel vulnerable is a very comfortable position to be i feel incredible i think as humans we're programmed to do what's comfortable yeah. but i think for real change and real success we have to go to where it's uncomfortable and right now, I'm on. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. If that's that makes sense. But that's so powerful. Gee, uh, it's so powerful for anybody listening to this that that have positions of huge responsibility, that have big media profiles, that have you know have had this because your career. Yeah phenomenal your your success is phenomenal i think what you've just done i mean it's it's actually really heartwarming that i could cry honestly i think what you've done not only for yourself but for anybody listening to this is incredible you know that you can portray yourself for x amount of years and in a way but all of that can be broken down and you have to really get truth real and truth for yourself and really uncomfortable and the growth that comes from that place is magical it's just it's, it's a good feeling but it's not easy to get there and yeah. i'm not going to deny it, say that there was days when i thought no i can't do that i can't i've got it yeah. but eventually if you persevere i think if you speak to the right people and it's very important as well shauna that i think you have to be very selective about who you open up with at first because if you open up with the wrong person i think if i hadn't have opened up with you i could have very quickly gone back but i think you have to meet the right person and then once you once you get feel that safety to be and say what you want to say, it makes it easier to do with other people. And as you know, like I'm sort of every time, every time I'm coming into contact with a person, I'm trying to see what sort of personality they are, and then understand I need to pull back my directiveness and my analytical side, be a bit softer and listen. And I'm doing all that. And sometimes when you come away from interactions with people, you feel quite nice. Yes, isn't that lovely? I think I'm going to leave that there because that's just that's just heartwarming to, to listen to and especially a man in your position, a man that has held so, so you know that has held such a strong sense of himself and has been held in the media and I mean there's who doesn't know you, Sean? So you know, bad. who doesn't know you um, and who won't hopefully get to know you better you know, in the coming years. I think, Shauna, we've discussed this. A lot of people know the the armoured version. The armoured version. They don't know me, you know, and uh, I'm looking forward to people getting to know the new me. And I'm looking forward to that for you, but I am also looking forward to the readers of this 
or the listeners to this podcast being blown away by your honesty, by your vulnerability, um, especially coming from your position. I think it's easy, easier to come and do these interviews whenever, you know, you have a story to tell, but you have a story and a profile. And you've come at this with both the story and the profile and being vulnerable in that. And I think it's just been incredible. Thank you so much. Well, just I know I wouldn't I would be here for, without your help. So I appreciate that. And, you know, maybe I'm trying to tell the story that ultimately it'll change my profile and how people perceive me and they're, how they understand me. But the most important thing, as I said, is how I and I perceive and understand other people. And that's what I've got out of this. Brilliant. That's, the big, that's the big change. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Pleasure.